0: Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to Gary and Penis. This week, we have a special guest. I'm going to let him introduce himself.
1: People, what's going on? Name is Kojo. I think that means Born on Monday. Actually, I know that means, Born on Monday. Uh, Terry. Terry means Reaper, Doer, Leader of the People. Opong. I'm still trying to figure that out. I think Wapong means, like, it's over. And uh, born in Ghana, man. Born in Ghana, raised in Botswana, and then the U.S. So it's a pleasure to meet you. We'll speak to y'all because we're not in person
0: <laughs> indeed, indeed indeed, the wonders of modern technology the brother's had a long complicated week and he's taking his time to talk to us so we definitely want to show him appreciation for taking his time but before we start that I have a question for you why Chale? because I've read up the history of where it comes from but I want to hear from a Ghana man himself this Chale thing what's going on with definitely that? definitely
1: Chale, I mean, it's crazy because, well, chale, for me, the genesis was college. Mm -hmm. I think when I was in college, you know, I had a coming to God moment. And it started with, you know, this crazy thing we call Greek life. So fraternities and sororities people. And, uh, you know, I was very anti, but open to it. And then what really changed it for me was when I realized that, you know, the original chale, uh, a.k.a. Kwame Nkrumah, had pledged a fraternity, right? And you don't hear about that, right? You hear about Kwame Nkrumah Pan-Africanism, blah, blah, blah. But no one knew that he pledged a fraternity. And he didn't just pledge any fraternity. Uh, he pledged Phi Beta Sigma. And he pledged Phi Beta Sigma because his mentor, uh, Bem Nandi azikwe who was also a Sigma and the first president of, or the father of modern Nigeria, was his mentor. And so, you know, in that space, what happened was he was able to Use what he learned from Sigma, his time in the U.S., up in Harlem, uh, friendships to bring that to Ghana, right? And so, Chale to me, after I pledged and became a Sigma, was my way to get people familiar with the culture. So I mean, I'd be at uh, you know, sorority parties with you know, quote unquote, white sororities and and they'd be calling, they call me Chale, right? And mm-hmm. what that started to do was to breed this sense of familiarity. We so got to the point when I showed up, like, hey, Chale. And um, then, upon graduation uh, of college, 2011, 2013, I had a chance to travel a bit, and so I, at this time, you know, figured out that Chalet was the entity that would serve whatever I did. So Chalet Tours, Chalet Consultants at the time, and then Chalet Global, right? And so I went to Mexico uh, for my birthday, my 24th, and I went to the souvenir shop. Uh, and when I went there, you know, based off of what you get, you get like um, Mayan letters. And so, uh, Mayan letters, essentially, um, that you can, you know, pick any logo, any name, and it would make it for you. And so, I used the logo, Charlie Cruz. the guy, this is in Mexico, this is Cancun, like, not, you know, party area, but more of like resort area. And he said, oh, Charlie. And I, and I looked at him because he said it as if he knew what it meant. And I said... Chale, what is? It? And he said, Yeah, we, you know, yeah, chale. I said, What does that mean? And he said, You know, in Mexico, and Spanish culture, chale means masculine. It means wow. It means amazing. So if something crazy happens, you go, Oh, chale, <laughs> right? And I said, Okay, that's interesting because in Ghana, you say chale. It's not that term of, you know, amazement, but it's like it can be, right? If something happens, you go, like, Oh, chale. So I started to realize that this word had global appeal. Um, and then I went back to the hotel old resort actually and did my research and saw that chale wasn't only used in mexican culture also is a hindu word chale uh, which means i'm not sure if i'm pronouncing right but it means to turn away from something and then there's also latin uh, connotation which means youthful uh, powerful uh, inflamed right and so for me it just became apparent that chale represents a global word it's a global entity And it's a powerful word that means so many things to different people. And so based off of that, uh, we've taken that and we've branded what we do as Chali because we show that, you know, no matter what you do, where you come from, we are able to relate to you. Um, And that's what Ghana
0: symbolizes to me. Hmm. So I'm from Cameroon and I've been surprised by the inherent openness of Ghana as a post colonial project. What I mean is, uh, from Kuma's vision of just not pan Africanism, but also to include the right of return, because if my memory search career, the right of return is in the original constitution in Ghana, or am I m- misspeaking about that fact? Repeat that last part The the right of return is it included in the original constitution of yeah. Ghana? Or am I mispeaking? Yeah, so,
1: I mean, to my knowledge, and, you know, I don't claim to be an expert, it's kind of an ambiguous kind of play. Because, yes, it's a thing, but there's no true or clear path to attainment. Uh, At this point in time, it has to be something that I know, you know, the president is appointing 200 people this year. And in previous administrations, they did another uh, specific number of people. But there is no clear process. Is it something that exists? It's a very, very real thing. People have done it. And that's one of the hopes is that either this administration or some entity will figure out how to actually make it a clear path to achievement. So it goes from, oh, there's this thing that exists to, oh yeah, this is the website, this is the process, and then this is the procedure. Because I've been back in the States uh, for about four or five months, and everyone I talk to that knows about Ghana and is knowledgeable, that's one of the things they ask for
0: know yeah. and so, like I said, as a chem, where do you think that openness comes from, both societally and from a strategic standpoint? Like, what do you think that's based on? Yeah, so
1: Kwame Nkrumah was in the U.S. Um, as a student, and the story is he was broke. I mean, he was washing dishes, sleeping on couches in Harlem, right? And so, you know, poverty really helps you relate to every type of person, right? Because when you're broke asking for money or you need jobs, you can't discriminate. Like, what are you discriminating against? Um, and so in that space, you realize that there's even a famous picture on my Instagram, shout out to Instagram, uh, that shows, you know, there's a rally in Harlem. And in the picture is Kwame Koma, um Adam Clayton Powell, who has a street named after him in Harlem, and, uh, you know, Malcolm X in Harlem, right? So... Kwame Nkrumah was very aware of the African-American struggle. And if you think of the time frame, he graduated or well, he got his degree from Lincoln in 1935. He spent 10 years in the U.S., um, apparently. So let's say 19 late 1920s. If we understand what was happening in the late 1920s, that was what? That was the Flapper period. That was the Harlem Renaissance. Things were happening. And so he was part of that movement. He saw it firsthand. He walked the streets of Harlem, listened to preachers um, and people, you know, and, um, you know, essentially that was his genesis into into the african-american experience and then he from there was asked to come to london so he had a global view of black struggle Mm -hmm. and with that he noticed that you can't you know confine development to just oh Ghanians, and even the name ghana was not supposed to connotate a geographic location right it came from the empire of ghana right ghana means warrior king or queen and so the name ghana was to invoke a feeling not a belonging to a specific place hmm. at all that's one thing most people don't know uh, hmm. so anyone can be a Ghanaian and even rightfully so and Kroma that's again ties into right to a boat and into his famous saying I'm not African because I was born in Africa right I'm African because I, Africa was born inside of me so that's another thing that you know a lot of our brethren here say oh well I'm not African of this and that's become this you know contentious thing as opposed to back in the first republic they were Caribbean Americans, African Americans that served in office, in public office, in Nkrumah's time, Because he just needed skilled people. So the hell if you're Ghanaian, I need skill sets. And if you're from Jamaica, but you know what to do, come on. And that's the true spirit of development that he was ushering in. Um, and that's where you see Ghana has become inclusive because in the First Republic, that, I mean, the people that ran the country were from everywhere.
0: That's very true. And you've you've managed it much better than, for example, a country like Ivory Coast, which is somehow neighboring to you, where those type of divisions have led to a civil war that in a lot of ways changed the trajectory of development for a country that by now should be a middle-income country by all agreements.
1: Yeah. I mean, but that's also the difference between French and Anglophone, right? The French, look at Napoleon, right? The French have a very crazy complex. Um, and you know this their culture is very interesting uh, to say the least and so it just makes sense to me why you see francophone nations still struggling today relative to their Anglophone uh, counterparts not saying it was right or wrong in terms of how they were colonized but you know the French men or oh, in Africa truly believe they're French yeah, they definitely. really they're, they're they're brainwashed to believe they're French
0: definitely right
1: definitely. Um, whereas you know, Anglophone countries, you know, we don't have that. And I had a conversation with a woman who was from Cameroon a uh, right. few days ago. She's in marketing in the U.S. She's trying to move back, but she cannot, she doesn't believe Cameroon is right for her because of what you said. She'd rather live in, and I told her maybe it's better because what I see, um, you know, is people from all over Africa living in Ghana because of that reason, right? It's just a better people who are from you know, Cameroon, one woman's from Gabon, um, and she lives in Ghana. She prefers Ghana relative to being back home because it's just, you know, it's not as abrasive. Uh, mentally, abrasive. Yeah, mentally yeah, yeah mentally um, colonized, I'd say. It's still there. I mean, it's still definitely, it's, 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 but not as as you said, not as deep or as damaging as, you know, our, our, our Francophone brothers and sisters.
0: Definite. Yes. definitely. And, like, as a Francophone, I definitely agree with you. But I do think, like, the spirit of sort of revolt is present, but I think the boot, the way in which the boot is applied is very different, right? The way in which, like you said, French people is tempted to create, like, Greco-Roman Negroes. So it was a lot more mental the way in which they decided to go about controlling them. Whereas in the Anglophone country, they, allow y'all, they allowed you people to keep a traditional sort of structure which still gives the project of a nation-state some some form of sense. But speaking of <laughs> Francophone <laughs> and Anglophone integration, what do you think of the eco and the sort of further regional in, uh, inclusion proposed by ECOWAS? Do you think, for example, the case of Senegal, will a country like... Senegal's and Ghana's economy be better able to better integrate themselves, especially with such basic differences in understanding governance as Francophone and the Anglophone divide?
1: Uh, that's a great question. That's a, that's, that's I mean, we, we would have to look to our colonial masters for that, you know, answer. And I don't think they've been able to manage it well. Exactly. So, Brexit is you know, I do. there you go. So, you know, I don't know at the same time, you know, the EU, unfortunately, uh, you know, had to base its entire existence or fortunately, right. Very fortunately, at least at the time had to base its existence on the central banking system. So even the EU was based off of fiat currency, central banking systems, right? Where the eco, um, can be based off blockchain cryptocurrency, which is a very real thing. And so that in itself, disrupts the issues that the eu has faced indeed from a currency perspective Before, right i'm not saying it will still be you know flawless that's
0: what i'm saying adopted, from a regulatory but again just that underlying technology changes yeah the, the disruption the disruption is real but yeah from a regulatory standpoint i mean listen nigeria if it's to fully participate is a regulatory let's call it quagmire to be polite how does the extra complication of the lack of regulation around cryptocurrencies because i see what you're saying cryptocurrency surrounding uh, mobile money is already essentially taking the way africans mostly pay for goods and providing the technology and the infrastructure around it at a lesser cost that can actually meet the development at the point of sort of sale and contact and i hear that but the sort of regulatory hurdles in adopting it, especially in the nation states that we're talking about can be overlooked, I don't think. But from your perspective as a business person, how do you see workarounds and ways to implement the infrastructure that does have some type of protection against money laundering and other sorts of issues, supports of terrorism and things of that nature that cryptocurrency could present if introduced as a new form of like the introduction of the eco, essentially speaking? Yeah. I mean, my thing is that stuff happens now. It right? Does. So it does, it's not indeed.
1: like we don't have, you know, corruption. And and this is a cash-based economy. So, it's the, so you know, there's something that Yofi Grant had said in an interview where they interviewed him on, you know, Ghana being the, quote-unquote, the, the secretariat for this, you know, Africa-free trade area. And they asked him those questions. You know, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And my thing is, these problems exist and they will exist. Uh, we just have to work through them. Right, because currently the system hasn't worked for us, right? So they say you try the same thing over and over and over, expect a different result, it's insanity. And I don't believe we're insane. I just believe we've never had an opportunity. So I would rather us try an eco because sure. Sure. at minimum it's something different, right? It may not work it's better than right? it may fail. Yeah. It may be the but it's better than nothing. It's better than, you know, you know, francophone nations using a currency that yeah. French doesn't even use. they don't mean, so there's no utility to the currency that an entire nation uses at all.
0: I mean, no, no, no. There's like a none. utility because they could keep, uh, I think, 40% no, I mean, of your exchange rate, right? So it's and not pay you interest on it. So when I say that, when I think utility, I mean to the people oh, that of ultimately oh, yeah, don't yeah, benefit yeah. from anything. Of course, of course, of course. Yeah, that's my point. So my perspective is always
1: the African. I don't really look the other way, right? So the African doesn't benefit from any of that at all because if france says we're, we're not printing any more france they can still use the euro what do you yeah. guys use nothing right so there's no utility for african nations to use it but an eco i can see that being a thing because now you even have the big boy on the block facebook ushering in a whole new conversation yeah. where yeah. you know experts are saying bitcoin is going to hit a hundred thousand dollars just because of that so I'm I'm of the mindset that we need to go. You know, you skate to where the puck is going to be, not where it's been. You know, and in Ghana, for example, you know, news just came out. Ghana is the largest user of mobile money, over even South Africa, which quote unquote has better infrastructure.
0: Of course, right.
1: So it shows you that mobile adoption. And I pay my staff using mobile money. You know, in Ghana, Salaries. so the the youth, the youth and people already are. they they. they, they I mean, at least in Ghana and. You know, most of the regions I've been to, mm-hmm. they are very custom, accustomed to mobile digital payments. It's not a mm-hmm. confusing thing. Whereas in the U.S., you know, people are still struggling to use Apple Pay. When's the last time you heard somebody use Apple Pay? Yeah, so it's no, like, oh, I'm wow. I, people, because I used to work at Apple, and they go, oh, people would go, oh, I have Apple Pay? I didn't know that, right? So think about this. That a region of the world where it's, quote, unquote, backward is more advanced in digital payments than the United States. Hmm. What does that say?
0: Hmm. 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 No, I, I see your point, right. and, and so, I agree. Yeah,
1: no. I, I mean, right. So if the infrastructure is developed, you know, African nations will adopt to it because they don't have the legacy challenges where legacy institutions are going to try to lobby against, against the new currency. you know indeed. using this new indeed, currency, indeed. right? Indeed. Whereas in the U.S., blockchain has been hindered because all the big banks said, oh, it's, you know, black, yeah, everything you said, said black, yeah, market black market corruption. Market, yeah,
0: exactly. But, oh, by the way, we already do AP it, Morgan it is now see, yeah. developing its own coin.
1: I mean... Right? So, now it's not evil anymore? Well, you were just trying to buy time because you knew this was going to end. You know, so, you th- th- these are the things that ultimately people need to consider. Um, and just, you know, understand that ultimately the world is a very interesting place. And, Uh, You know, not everything is going to benefit everyone. um,
0: And that's okay. Listen, if more Africans start like this... hmm. But, you know, hope is not going to feed people, to put it simply. Hope is not going to feed people. Yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, unfortunately. Let me ask you this. Where do you see or some areas of growth for so let's say somebody's living in the US or in Europe and they're interested in investing in Africa and using Ghana as sort of like a point of entry which sort of, sort of sectors would you recommend people go into is the stock market good and etc. like which kind of investments make sense in Ghana from your perspective
1: yeah anything service based um is is probably What I would look into first. Could Um, you elaborate? um, You know, service based. So service based, right? So, you know, hospitality, tourism, financial services, um medical tourism services, medical services, you know, anything that's a service, uh, I feel Ghana is uniquely positioned for that because the first thing you hear about anyone that's met a Ghanaian, you know, oh you're so nice, you know, oh you're so nice people, you're this, you're that. And that's hospitality, right? It's just the culture, you know, of people come to the house before they even talk, you offer them some water. Do you, I mean, it's just built into the culture. Mm-hmm. And so that's what in my opinion is the industry that can also absorb uh, you know, a good number of the youth that also need employment. Right. And I don't remember having to have a phd or master's degree to say hey how can i help you Uh, but i do know that a lot of people that work in hospitality in the u.s end up learning people skills and then i mean it's just basically networking you learn how to network how to talk to people you learn interpersonal skills you learn how to be you i mean and those skills are transferable right so that person these are soft skills you know um and the soft skills then bode well to management because the challenge is there's no real management, right? So the problem in Africa is no one trusts anyone to manage. And so the middle management is handicapped and they don't do anything. And so you go to a restaurant and they have to go and ask the boss to do something that they should be empowered to do, right? So that's where for me service industries um, make the most sense. You know, and this from even a travel perspective there's now an uptick of travel to the continent, right? So it Mm -hmm. just makes sense to try and capture some of those dollars as well. No, or indeed. Or whatever you, want, whatever you
0: want. Indeed, indeed. To be able to... Somebody made an interesting argument to me about Mexico, and the way he said it is, like, it's, the, it's one of the few places where you can build in third-world prices and sell to first-world customers, right? There you and go. Like, that's sort of the sweet spot. And it's interesting that Africa is becoming a tourist spot, especially places like Ghana, especially, like, as... There's still some structural issues and etc. So now, what do you think is the sustainable? Well, I know this is a very broad question, so I don't want to. But in your mind, what is a sustainable model of development? Not for the whole continent, but for Ghana as a country, right? Including, where do you think ecology fits into the question of African governance going forward in the twenty first century? and also the issue of immigration how do how do we reverse the pattern of brain drain and start to create a sort of larger return of human capital to meet the needs that are obviously present hmm
1: how do we make development sustainable
0: well I, sustainable is maybe not the right term but at least in manageable Right, because the extractive model of resource, sort of spending and living, that for example, a country like Cameroon has been on is no longer sustainable. Look at Nigeria. Now that the U.S. is a large oil producer, those models don't provide enough sort of funds inside that go through the corruption to actually allow for development. And so, inequalities is one of the biggest sort of stressors of our societies, right? Without so much of the inequalities, Mm -hmm. we can actually develop a middle class that can actually unleash its potential and provide the sort of taxes needed to provide better infrastructure. But because of inequality and the sort of criminality that Mm -hmm. comes attached to it, there's a lot of tension in our societies, right? So a lot of our sort Mm -hmm. of underdevelopment comes from our sort of own sort of structural issues. But I wonder, right, now that it's, because it's our turn, whether or not we want to admit to it, whether or not we want to accept it, whether or not we are ready for it, the future of the development of Africa is in the future is in the hands of young Africans. And so I just want to, from somebody like you who has been in the field, who has done some of the actual groundwork, who's going back and forth to look for opportunities so you understand the realities, I was wondering if you had a vision for something like that, or is that just something you don't, that is so far ahead that you're trying to more so focused on the opportunities in the present.
1: Yeah, I think the present uh, is probably, I mean, Gary Vaynerchuk infamously said, the clouds in the dirt, right? Indeed. So, you know, keep keep your eyes in the sky and your hands in the dirt, right? So do the work, but still have a vision for the future, right? So, you know, in that space, that's exactly it, right? Where... You know, we have to look at fifty years out. However, we have to understand that the people that you may want to be you know, you want to help and do good for, we literally cannot afford to look that far out, right? Indeed. They they're surviving every single day.
0: Indeed. You know,
1: so for you and I
0: It's a easy guy to have, yes indeed.
1: You know, indeed. indeed. But you know, for for the African that's earning less than a dollar a day. day
0: yeah, you talking you talking gibberish. Yeah, the words, to the words aren't gonna feed them. The
1: you know, so how me. do I think about next week when I don't even know if I can eat tomorrow? Right? right, and that's a real, real concern. So it's more so about you know in terms of sustainability. It's you will say, how did the West become the West? I mean, corruption existed here too. Well, since the 1900s, it wasn't until people started to make more money and then we started to hold people more accountable you know mm-hmm. um, because that's when you can voice your opinion if you're poor no one cares sure. right if you're poor who cares about them? who runs the world in the US is people who pay taxes at the highest levels quote sure. unquote billionaires and millionaires, because they have the relationships they can lobby right and it's the same way in Africa if you're poor you have no voice and so what needs to happen is more employment so people have more disposable income so that they can then hold the account of the politicians accountable Mm -hmm. right
0: Mm -hmm. indeed indeed and make institutions that actually work for africans well thank you so much for your time and thank you for so much for your wisdom do you want to tell the people how they can find you on the social networks and things that nature
1: definitely people people what's going on world um so for me it's it's easy. Uh, so the website is terryopong.com. That's T E R R Y O P P O N G. And that's at um, .com. Yeah, sorry, I blanked out. And then the email is terry, T E R R Y, at blackband. So B L A C K B A N D dot C O. And on the gram, it's Global Mobile Chowley. So G L O B A L M O G U L chale c-h-a-l-e thank you so much for your time man
0: nah thank you for your time and your wisdom and thank you for speaking interesting and important words to the people and hopefully we'll have you on again have a great rest of your day amen appreciate you boss god bless same to you